become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 48 of Macabre Misfortunes. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, I think it's safe to say that everyone has heard of Woodstock. I know. The bird, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, the bird. (laughs) Well, that concert happened in August of 1969 in Bethel, New York. But did you know that there was a similar concert at the Altamont Speedway in Livermore, California, four months later, on December 6th, 1969, that some called the Woodstock of the West. No, I had no clue about that. It was a complete disaster. Oh, why? Because it was winter? Uh, hope, well, it's California, so. Oh, duh, California, yeah. Well, I mean, some parts of California are cold but in the winter, but not this part. So why was it a disaster? Well, we've got a whole, probably 30 minutes to talk about that. Okay. Because you, you would have figured I probably wouldn't have brought it up for no reason. It's going to be the... The emphasis is on uh, that for today's episode. Okay. The event is remembered more because of the considerable violence and deaths that took place there than the music. And well, they had a heck terrible. of a lineup. There was a stabbing death, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. There were three accidental overdoses. Two people were hit uh, and killed in the car accident as a hit and run deal. Oh, tag on. And there was one drowning in an irrigation canal on somebody that was on LSD and had a bad trip. Oh. Several people were injured. Numerous cars were stolen. And there was all kinds of property damage done. I mean, why this one was so out of control? And this was the first, well, we're going to, trust me, we're going to get into it. There's a <laughs> lot of reasons, but there's one main one. So let's look at how we got there. Who was scheduled, first of all, to perform at this free concert? Now, it was a free concert. Okay. The acts were set as follows. Santana was going to kick things off. Then Jefferson Airplane. The Flying Burrito Brothers. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And then um, it was going to be The Grateful Dead and then The Rolling Stones. Not a bad lineup. So it's just a one-day event. I said the Grateful Dead was actually on the bill, right? Mm-hmm. But they were slated to perform right after Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. But they canceled shortly before their scheduled appearance because of the increasing violence that was going on at the venue. That's right. It got so bad that the Grateful Dead backed out. Wow. <laughs> Trust me, they're used to some rowdies. I'm stuff. sure they are, Yes. <laughs> They were also one of the prime organizers for the event. Mm-hmm. So they well, that's put not good. they put the whole thing together. Them, you know, for the most part, yeah. they put it together, and then they were like, "Yeah, no," because they didn't want the responsibility of all the things that were going they were on, scared. and they were scared they for were their scared. life. Yeah. The Rolling Stones manager later said that December sixth was rock and roll's all time worst day. 
the day when everything went perfectly wrong. There's actually some really good film footage of the event that was actually featured in the Rolling Stones 1970 documentary called Gimme Shelter. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever seen that um, that TV show or documentary, it actually does. A lot of that was shot at that particular event. So that means that almost all the bad crap that we're going to talk about was all caught on film. Oh, boy. All right. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. The idea for this free concert was originally planned as a free concert with the Grateful Dead and the Stones at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. And that happens to also be where the San Francisco 49ers played at the time. Okay. Jefferson Airplane was added, but they were actually on the road in December, and they were in Florida, and they still thought the event was going to be at San Francisco. But by December 4th, the plan had broke down. The reason given was because that the city and the police department were not being helpful. And a big part of that was that the city was afraid of what could happen. Uh-huh. And they wanted a big cash advance. And uh, they also said that they didn't want to uh, have any conflicts with the hippies. Okay. So they decided, hey, we need to do something else. So they switched to Sears Point Raceway. But they wanted $100,000 to uh, ensure that everything up front was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And they wanted that right from the Rolling Stones. Okay. I think I guess that's who they were more worried about, was yes. the Stones. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they were like, no, we don't want to do that. And at the last minute, Dick Carter offered up his ultimate raceway. Grace Slick said that Jefferson Airplane flew out of Miami the day before the concert, still not knowing where the venue would be. She said that there was no way to control it, no supervision, and no order whatsoever. The location was uh, taken out of uh, the spirit of desperation, according to her feelings. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's getting down to the wire, so. She said that the vibes were really bad. Something was very peculiar. Not particularly bad, just real peculiar. It was that kind of hazy, abrasive an unsure day. She said, I had expected the loving vibes of Woodstock, but that wasn't coming at me. This was a whole different kind of thing. She had no idea how it would turn out. Now, as far as the Rolling Stones, during their 1969 U.S. tour, there was a bunch of journalists that kind of felt that the concert tickets were far too expensive. Wait, I thought that was a free concert. Yes, but I'm talking about during their tour. Oh, okay. So the Stones decided to end the tour with this free concert. Okay, gotcha. I can imagine what tickets were back then. But people were, probably there were like ten bucks. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they wanted to do the concert at San Jose State at their uh, football practice field. They had already had a three-day festival with fifty-two bands and had over eighty thousand people attend. But San Jose said that they didn't want to deal with another large crowd and a, and a big concert like that. They just, their city couldn't handle it right now. So next up, like I said, was Golden Gate Park. And originally, they were going to hold it at 49er Stadium, but there was a game already scheduled between the 49ers and the Chicago Bears. So that knocked them completely out of there. Plus, like I said, they, they were going to switch days, but then they wanted money up front. And yeah. They didn't want to, the police kind of made it clear that, 
if you do it here, we're going to make it as difficult as possible for you to do it, it here awesome. and as expensive as possible. So they didn't do it, and then it got switched to the Altamont Speedway after Sears Point Speedway wanted money. So this place literally had four different locations before it was, you know, actually settled on an Altamont Speedway. I think I would have just given up by that point. Now, here's where the real problem started. The change in venue came on December 4th, two days before the concert. You imagine you got tickets Mm-mm. to a concert and you don't even know two days before where the concert's going to be? Well, no, and not only that, you got have all that time to set stuff up and... Right? Right. Well, the hasty move resulted in a bunch of logistical nightmares, including a lack of portable toilets and medical tents. The move also created a problem with the stage design, which would be a huge problem. See, at Sears Point, the stage was going to be up on a hill. Here, it's going to be at the bottom of a slope. Mm. So think about that. Mm -hmm. Completely opposite. Yeah. And where that really comes into problem is the stage was only 39 inches high. So when you're on a hill, that's not an issue. But when you're on a slope, I mean, you're basically looking, what, up to your knee? Oh, yeah. I mean, up to your waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For most people, it's going to be up to the waist. Right. So you're right there at the stage. Uh, Yes. Get access easy if you had to. Right. But the main thing is they're expecting 300,000 people. If you got 300,000 people downhill into your stage, you're going to have everybody crammed Mm -hmm. up against the stage. Oh, yeah. That's not going to be comfortable at all. In most cases, they would have changed the stage, but they couldn't change the stage on such short notice. God, no. They're already pushing it as it is. Now. That's going to lead us to the biggest issue at this concert. Now, because the stage was so low, security was going to need to be on hand, and a lot of them. They needed people to stand in front of the stage. Rolling Stone's management made a very poor choice in security for this event. They chose Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Specifically, the Oakland chapter for the security. Now, in fairness, the Grateful Dead and the Jefferson Airplane had suggested this to the Stones because they had both used them for security mm-hmm. in the past. What do you think the payment was for the Hells Angels? I have no clue. Alcohol and drugs. You're close. $500 worth of free beer. That right. was their payment. Dang. I mean, but by but 19, back then, that's a lot. 19, you know, oh, 69. Yeah. You know, that's still pretty good. There was 200 of the Hells Angels. 200 they yes. used for security? Yes. Wow. I like Hells Angels myself. Well, it's like I said, I, every, every, every motorcycle club out there is different. Mm-hmm. Some of them get a bad rap. Some of them for no reason at sure, all. Sure, of course. So I don't, I don't judge... Um, like people will call them motorcycle gangs, and I don't like that. No, I don't, I don't and, like that and either. I think they're, they're motorcycle clubs, not yes, gangs. Of course. But I think a lot of the problems with the Hells Angels came from this event. Oh, I no think way. a lot of their bad reputation oh, okay. came from this event. Okay. But, anyways, so they're giving them $500 worth of free beer. And this had been 
decided by almost all the parties involved. So the Grateful Dead were on board with it. The managers of, of all the groups, everybody was on board with this. Okay, but were they allowed to drink the beer while they were doing security? <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, that's a different yes. story. Well, what were they going to do? Take them home? Well, no, I thought maybe after <laughs> the fact or something. Well, that's true. That's true. In fact, the Stones manager said that the Hells Angels were only hired to make sure that no one tampered with the generators. And they were in no way meant to be policing anyone. They weren't meant to be security. That's what the Rolling Stones manager said. Okay. Bill Fritch from the Hells Angels said that they were asked to provide security. He said they told them that they didn't do security. They would help people out, like giving directions and such like like that. Mm-hmm. But but that was it. They just liked to hang out at the concerts and have some fun. And actually, in the Gimme Shelter uh, video, there are some cameramen actually saying that they were weren't intended to do security, and that they were told that they basically would just have to sit on the edge of the stage, drink beer, and make sure that no murder or rapes took place. Oh, yeah. So you got a lot of people and a lot of recorded documentation Mm -hmm. saying they weren't supposed to really be security. They're just, I guess, intimidators, we'll say. Okay. Grateful Dead manager, Rick Scully, he said if the Angels hadn't been there, the whole crowd would have been on the stage. Well, I can imagine so. I mean, it's easy to get to them. With that being said, the attendees felt like the Hells Angels were there as security. Even if they weren't, they had that appearance regardless. One woman, she actually called into a radio show the next day after all this took place. There was a big uh, to-do on the radio where people were calling in and voicing their displeasure. And she said that she saw five fights from her vantage point. She was near the front of the stage and that all five fights the angels were involved in everyone. Oh, no kidding. She also said that she saw several different people who clearly needed help that wasn't getting any help from the uh, angels. She said there was a girl that was being dragged across the stage by her hair. Another was on a bad acid trip and she was being stepped on, kicked and walked on by people and nobody came oh, to her defense. Even though it was right there in front of her. She also said that uh, having them for security was irresponsible on the bands and that most people were terrified by them to begin with. Yeah. All right. We're getting ready to get into the meat and potatoes of this, but first let's take a quick break from our sponsor. All right, Tracy, here's what we know. Things went pretty smooth while Santana was on stage. I guess Carlos just has that way with people. (laughs) As the day went on though, the mood of the crowd, 300,000 people And the 200 Hells Angels became agitated and violent. Of course, that beer's been flowing through everybody all afternoon, so. Reporters say that the Angels had been drinking all day and were all of them were drunk. The crowd started attacking each other, the Angels and the performers. The only time the crowd kind of calmed down was during the set by the uh, country rock band, the Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they probably were all hungry and, you know. <laughs> but even during that time, there was a, a, a young lady by the name of Denise Jukies. And she was a lead singer of, an, of a band that was not performing that day. She was six months pregnant and she was hit on the head by an empty beer bottle. Oh. 
that was thrown from the crowd, and it just happened to hit her, and it actually fractured her skull. Oh, God. The stones later did pay all of her medical bills. They did? Well, good. The Hells Angels armed themselves with sawed-off cue sticks for pull and motorcycle chains. Uh, ouch. (laughs) The Angels got really pissed and and aggressive when the crowd knocked one of their motorcycles over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's not a shocking thing at all. Marty Balin of Jefferson Airplane, he uh, when they were on their, their set, he was the lead singer, or was singing this song anyway, one of the lead singers. He jumped off the stage to try to help somebody, but he was punched in the head and knocked unconscious by one of the Hells Angels. When the guitarist, Paul uh, Canton, actually got on the mic and uh, he looked at the Angels and, and he said, well, um, thanks for knocking out our singer. And then Bill Fritch from the Hells Angels, he grabbed the microphone and he started arguing with him about it. So now you got one one of the singers of the band knocked out, and now you got one of Hells Angels on stage arguing back and forth on the mic with a guitarist from Jefferson Airplane. After hearing about uh, Balin getting knocked out, that's when the Grateful Dead canceled their set. During Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's set, Stephen Stills said that he had been repeatedly stabbed in the leg by a a Hell's Angel with a sharpened bicycle spoke. Dude. By the time the stones went on, the mood was extra ugly. A number of fights had erupted between the Hell's Angels and the crowd and with the crowd and the members of the crowd and everybody else in between. I'm surprised the stones even went on. Why would they do that? Well, there's a good question. And... I actually have an answer for that coming oh. up. The Stones waited until sundown to perform. That's good. So that way when it's dark, you can't see all the fights and the blood. Oh, and uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Mick Jagger had been punched in the head just seconds after getting off the helicopter. He was visibly uh, intimidated by the thousands of people at the stage with several attempting to climb up on the stage. He urged everyone to just calm down. And please don't push people around. That was the first thing he did when he got up there. During the band's third song, Sympathy for the Devil, a fight erupted in the very front of the stage. The band paused for a little bit, and they let the Hells Angels restore order. The band urged the crowd again to kind of calm down, and they restarted their set. And they kind of went on without incident until they started Under My Thumb. Now, at this point... Some of the angels got into a scuffle with a man by the name of Meredith Hunter. He was an 18-year-old who was trying to get on stage with some other fans. One of the angels grabbed Meredith's head, punched him, and pushed him back in the crowd. But Meredith came back to the stage and he was pretty pissed off. He was also so high that he could barely walk, according to several witnesses. Grateful Dead manager uh, Rick Scully said that Meredith looked crazy, he was on drugs, and he had murderous intent. There was no doubt that he intended to do terrible harm to Mick Jagger or other members of the band or anyone else that was on stage. So then Meredith gets back to the front of the crowd. He pulls out a long-barreled twenty-two caliber revolver from his jacket. Whoa! Hell's Angel, Alan Pissarro, saw this. 
he drew his knife from his belt and then he charged Meredith Hunter from the side, stabbing him twice with his right hand while grabbing the gun with his left hand. The stabbing killed Meredith Hunter instantly. Oh my gosh. All of this footage was captured oh my on gosh. video. The Stones were aware of the skirmish, but not aware of the stabbing. But they soon it, it soon became apparent to the band because the band stopped and Mick Jagger went to the microphone asking for a doctor. Now, the band eventually completed their set because Jagger felt that it would have been even worse if they'd have walked off stage mm -hmm. and just quit. Yeah. He thought that that would have been a three, 300,000 people in an audience just going ballistic. And that was the lesser of two evils just oh, finishing their gosh. set. That is some crazy crap, man. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up that story. But you know I like to give you an interesting fact. You do. And I've got a couple. Here's the first one. Though the entire event was a disaster... Mick Jagger pretty much laid all of the blame on the Hells Angels. And because of this, and what I'm getting ready to tell you, was confirmed by FBI agents in 2008. Several Hells Angels had conspired to kill Mick Jagger to get even for their lack of support by making the stones and for the negative portrayal in the Gimme Shelter documentary. Some members of the Hells Angels used a boat to approach the residence where Mick Jagger was staying on, on Long Island, New York. The plot failed, though, when the boat was nearly sank in a storm. Oh, my gosh. What a nightmare. Oh, there's more. Oh, Here's gosh. another fact. Seriously. In January of 2022, the Library of Congress added a 30-minute clip without sound of the concert to their archives. So that's a national archive from that event. That's how big of it is. Wow. You want a third fact? Oh, why not? This would be one to surprise a lot of people. Part of the song American Pie is about this incident. No kidding. So if, let's go back to some of the lyrics and I'll kind of tune in to what it is. So come on, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack Flash sat on a candlestick. Candlestick Park yep. is in San Francisco. Jack Flash, obviously a Stones reference. Mm -hmm. And it says, Jack Flash sat on a candlestick because fire is the devil's only friend. Oh and, oh, and as I watched him on the stage, my hands were clenched in fists of rage. No angel born in hell could break that Satan spell. And Don McLean had been asked about that for years and said, no, that had nothing, nothing to, do to do with it. it. But in 2015, when he sold his songwriting rights, he admitted that that's what it was about. Oh. So no angel born in hell was the hell's angels. And that is the craziest crap I've ever heard. Oh. Dang. Definitely not Woodstock. No. Not that, not that Woodstock was... It was well, the greatest event ever when it came to uh, at least chaos they try to show like love that. and stuff. I guess. I mean, there was still a bunch of crap that happened at Woodstock, but nothing like that happened here, as far as uh, just completely. Can you imagine unorganized. just being in that situation, like literally? I just can't even imagine. I mean, it's and it's it would be really cool to see all those bands. Now, you know what's funny is I'm not a big 
fan of any of those bands. No, other I'm than not songs. either. You know, I love I, Santana is a fantastic guitar player, but I'm just not a Mm-mm. huge fan of his music. Yeah. Jefferson Airplane's okay. Can't stand the Grateful Dead. I just, I'll never understand how they got so famous. You do like uh, Jerry's Ties, though. I love Garcia's Ties. Yeah. But, no, that that would have been a concert that there were big, all big names, and most of the big names I didn't like. Yeah, and so we wouldn't have went, probably. No, we would not have went. <laughs> no, we would not have went. Hmm. So, yeah, and I don't like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Yeah. I Literally, everybody who was in that band, mm-hmm. I loved all their stuff before that. Like David Crosby, God rest his soul, who yeah, just died this week. Yeah, thing. rest in peace. He was with the Birds, loved the Birds. So, uh, Stephen Stills, obviously, was with uh, Dusty Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, loved them. And then... Nash, Graham Nash was with the Hollies. I love them. So, but then you put them all three together. Yeah, and I, just, care. I mean, yeah. oh, there's a couple of songs, but overall, right. I just went into it. And Neil Young, I don't like Neil Young, period. Mm-hmm. I like a couple of songs, but I don't, I didn't like him solo and I didn't care for him in the band, but yeah. That's, it's amazing that you could take three all-stars and then put them together. I mean, they were huge stars. People loved them. Oh, yeah. But I just I just didn't care for any of their music once they got together. Huh. That's crazy, right? So. All right, guys. We love you. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate you. Bye, guys. We love you.